Well, sometimes you just have to roll with what life gives you and follow the inspiration. So today we'll be talking about the systemic racism of our prison system. But do we really want to go there? I mean, obviously none of us actually wants to go there, but we're going to talk about it today because somebody has to. Welcome everyone, and thank you for checking out this podcast. This is Right All Week, and I am your host. My name is Dave. If you would like to interact with me on any of the usual social media platforms, you can do that with the username at Right All Week. If you'd like to send an email with a question or whatever, you can use the address rightallweek at gmail.com. If you're listening on the audio platforms and you can give us a positive review, we would be most grateful for that. And if I'm still on YouTube, then please do remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell for notifications, which may or may not work, I'm not sure. And then, of course, everybody everywhere, please do share this content on all of the social media platforms. It's good for me, it's good for those who find it, it's good for those who agree, it's good for those who don't agree. And uh, so, if you would, please just uh, you know do it as a a service to society. So now you've caught it by the intro. We're going to talk about something that's really not that popular to talk about, uh, unless you're, you know, of one mind, one side of the issue. So I, I had other things that I thought I might want to talk about, but sometimes you just log in, and you know how all of our browsers automatically online, you go there and you're like, hey, check out this stuff. And I don't know why my browser decided that I needed to check this out, but a place that I've never seen before popped up on my results, my suggested views. So The Root is the name of this online publication. The subtitle or their slogan, the blacker the content, the sweeter the truth. So kudos to them for not claiming that only black sources can provide the truth, but they are pretty much saying right up front, I also appreciate honesty about bias. That also makes me feel more comfortable because now I know you're pretty much going to speak your mind for real, but they are pretty much saying, hey, we would actually prefer to get our information from black sources, and uh, whether or not it's the truth, we would prefer a black source, and then we know that we'll like it better that way. So they, uh, the article today that jumped out in front of me and asked for my attention whether or not I had planned on it, a judge asked Harvard to find out why so many black people were in prison. They could only find one answer. You guessed it. Systemic racism. This is written by Michael Harriet, which I was planning to use uh, Mike as a generic reference to a name of person who's not here, but now I don't know if I can still do that because the author's name is Mike. Anyhow, so here we are. He's going to address the, this idea, and they've and they've gone to Harvard because Harvard is famous now for its non-political, non-biases. Right? They've they've never eschewed anything over at Harvard, have they? Have they? I'm pretty sure they have, but that's, let's not get into that. Let's go ahead and look at some of the arguments, some of the points that he makes in here. The idea that it's actually not the crime that black people are committing. It not, has nothing to do with the inspiration that they might get like violent video games or rap songs, because let's be honest about that. Uh, whether or not you're a black person has nothing to do with whether or not you like video games or rap songs. Uh, so I'm glad that we can at least agree on that part. Now they're saying that poverty and education, these things don't really uh, contribute to it. I and I'm, I'm not quite sure if that's so because it doesn't actually get into those details. He's pretty much just writing a, an introductory paragraph to lead to the things that he wants to say and throwing out there, well, it's not these things. Well, the same, one doesn't necessarily make the other. Say, hey, I found something over here. Here's my data. It doesn't automatically mean that the other all possible answers are also not true. I think maybe he's trying to jump and skip and apply Occam's razor before he knows that he really should be applying Occam's razor. But 
whatever. Two-parent homes are international bootstrap shortage, as he says. Uh, these are not the contributing factors. The, the contributing factor that they have decided, now that we've looked at this study, is four years of uh, collecting the data in Massachusetts. It's racism. It's always racism. That's what he says. So I just want to go through his supporting pieces of evidence that he gives on these things and go, okay, well, can we be sure? Is that absolutely positively accurate? Let's find out. So according to 2016 data from this Massachusetts Sentencing Commission, this is the, the people who did the study, well, they say they've got 655 out of every 100,000 black citizens uh, there currently in prison. Meanwhile, the state is also in, for the white citizenry, for every 100,000 people who reside in the state, we've got, you've got 82. So now he's basically saying, well, 655 over here and 82 over here, ta-da, racism. Which I'm like, sorry, I don't think you can actually do that. But it doesn't matter what their color of their skin is or what the number of these people are. It's really what matters is, are you guilty? Because we're talking about prison, right? Which means, you know, you've been through a justice system. You've been through the processing. Uh, hopefully, you've had 12 people who've had the chance to adjudicate and decide whether or not you are the person who the police believe that you are. You know, the person who committed the crime. You know, by the time you've got through all of this stuff, none of that matters anymore. But they're saying, hey, we got 655 versus 82. And this is his first piece of evidence. This disparity between these two numbers it now is the first piece of evidence that the criminal justice system, even nationwide, because it's, these numbers can be extrapolated and you find similar numbers elsewhere, is his first piece of evidence. Which I'm like, okay, well, the only way that works is if one of two things is happening. Either 570 black people are being framed for every 82 white citizens who are going to jail, or there are 570 white criminals still roaming the streets for every 655 black criminals who are incarcerated. Uh, so I'm thinking either one of these things would be pretty prevalent, pretty obvious. I think we would know if there were 570 frame jobs for every 100,000 black citizens in the nation. I think we would know if there are 570 criminal white citizens for every 100,000 white citizens across the nation. So the disparity doesn't actually prove anything. What really matters, and I'll say this probably a number of times, is who's actually guilty? All right, so 2016, that's, uh, they say, take a hard look now to, to fulfill our promise to provide equal justice. Okay, so now they might have a different definition of what equal justice is. So they've pulled the raw numbers together. They got law, the Harvard Law School of Criminal Justice Policy Program. Now they're looking at the incarcerees, they're looking at their charges, they're looking at their sentences, and the uh, saying that they got less favorable outcomes than their white counterparts. Now this, some of this could be true. I'm going to go through it and see how does it apply? Should it apply? Is it even fair? All right, so the first part being, okay, we got white people making up 74% of the population and accounting for 58.7% of the cases and the data. All right, so the majority is still the majority. It's just not as big a majority. Those numbers don't equate. 74 and 58.7, obviously those numbers are different from each other, but again, it doesn't matter once we actually know, well, who's really guilty. That's the part that matters, right? Who's guilty? And if we're really going to do one of those, hey, we're, we're not racists, all we care about is the content of your character. Okay, well, maybe that matters. But now he's pointing out, same time, black people making up 6.5% of the population and accounting for 17.1% of the cases. So they're like two and a half times the number of their people, you know, the representative 
part of their population is now being represented in the cases. And same as the point that I made before, unless you can find some sort of an explanation as to how that works, where the numbers are different and how you balance it by explaining one of the, bringing in an explanation that accounts for the missing numbers, then this is just numbers. It doesn't actually matter. So now he wants to know, well, are, are black people actually committing more, more crime or is it that they're committing more crimes? Because you would think some people are saying that that's probably the reason. And he's going to say that it's not actually. And that it's the fact that the criminal justice system is unequal. Now, here's the thing. We just bring in the criminal justice system for a moment. It's not one man or two or three or however many men and women. It's a system built up of lots of people. And the reason that we have so many requirements, so many different systems is broken apart in different ways because, you know, judge, jury, executioner, the police guy on the ground, they're all different people. And that is to protect the individual, no matter how guilty he is, from the chance that you might actually come across somebody who's racist, who works in one of these, part, one of these you know, parts of the justice system. Because I'm not going to sit here and say there's no such thing as a racist, and there's no such thing as a racist cop or a racist judge. I'm sure that those things exist, and I'm sure that sometimes people do have some sort of a prejudice just because the statistics kind of give people, sometimes they look at that and go, mm, yeah, I guess that means, you know what? And so they'll put in their, their minds that the chances are greater. So there's those things are still true, but that's the reason why there's a big system that helps to protect the individual from being victimized specifically in that way. Because you have to get, you have to have a perfect line of racists all the way across, which I think is the point that he's trying to actually make. He's eventually going to get there and say, you know what? They're all racist people, not just a racist system, because that's the only way you can justify it. Saying, all right, law enforcement agents charge blast suspects with infractions that carry worse penalties. Okay, well, that doesn't matter if the charge is doesn't apply to you. Okay, either it does or it doesn't. So how severe the charge is is irrelevant. You're either innocent or you're guilty of the charge that you are accused of. All right, so then they might have worse penalties. If they do, it's probably because there are worse infractions. But if you're innocent, then you don't have to worry about either of those things. Prosecutors less likely to offer pleas and bargains for or a pretrial intervention. Now, again, this, uh, still going back to the main point, guilty or innocent, all right? Just because the guy has it within his personal purview to go out there and start making deals for whatever reason he believes that he might get something in return, a benefit of some kind for making a deal, but there's no requirement for making a deal. I'm not required to go to my children when they break the rules of the home and offer them a deal to get out of the punishment. No, as a parent, I'm required to train them up, to teach them how to behave, to show them what is right, what is correct, what is acceptable in our society, as long as it you know, is in agreement with the scriptures. That's my job. I don't have to go there and be a negotiate a deal. And if I do it with one child and not with the other, it doesn't make the child that I didn't negotiate with, it doesn't make them any less guilty if they are guilty. All right, judge sentenced black defendants to longer terms in prison. And this is the one that makes it finally, I'm kind of interested in this part. I want to know for sure just how that is applicable, saying that the average white felon has uh, maybe even committed technically a more severe crime than the average black inmate. Not sure how much relevance that has, except that maybe, maybe when they, the people who are getting caught, the white folks, you know, they're just doing worse things. Okay, fine, whatever. But the fact that they're in there longer uh, for the same crime, if it's true, we've got one white guy did all the same bad things as the black guy, and then they came down to sentencing and they got two different results. There you might have a case 
And that's the only part that me personally, I'm like, what's actually going on there? But it's hard to know what's going on inside the minds of everybody who's responsible for making these judgments. And that's something that they think that they're doing. They are inserting motives, saying, well, because the end result is different, then this is the only acceptable motive. It's always racism. It can't possibly be any other motive. So here's where he breaks it down, looking at the factors that contribute to the significant disparities. It's not that black people are criminals, he's saying. So it's just because black people are thought of as criminals, that the cops look and see and just automatically make the connection. I wonder if this applies to all the black people who are on the police force. If you're a black police officer, do you automatically assume that all of the other folks, I mean, do you stop being black when you become a police officer? I'm not quite sure how that actually works. But they're saying that despite how much of their population they represent, they actually have a greater chance of being interrogated or having being stopped for any reason, for being frisked, for being searched, and this suggests, oh, suggests, this is even from the researchers who actually did it, now we're throwing in, well, we're suggesting that it means there's a disparity in searches that is more consistent with racial bias than with differences in criminal conduct. So it's a suggestion, not quite sure uh, if I'm gonna find any facts to support it here in a moment, but here's the thing, when it comes to police officers stopping people, we have rules about that. So if they are stopping people just because they're black, well then they've actually broken the rules. But before you can get to, this is supposed to be about prison, right? Before you can get there, there's a whole lot of other criteria that has to be met first. And that's, again, the reason why there is such a big, thick system, because we would rather have to deal with somebody who's uh, inclined, they've got criminal proclivities, we would rather deal with that person more than once than to accidentally put somebody who's in innocent and incarcerate them because, you know, that's really not fair. So we kind of decided we'd rather err on this side. Uh, so it's a big complicated system and that's just a preface to what's going to come up next. The idea of blacks don't get bail. Well, that's very interesting that you would bring that up because you know what, who's, who's actually allowed to get bail? Where does bail come into the picture? Is that after you've been incarcerated in prison? because that's what this article says it's about. We want to know why people are spending so much time in prison or why there are so many black people in prison. And what does bail have to do with it? Bail is connected to jail. Jail is where you go if you've met the criteria, if the, if the police officers and the district attorney and the judge, you know, they convince a judge that we have reasonable suspicion for this person. And then that's where you go. And then we work it out from there, but they might decide, okay, well, can we trust this person outside of jail? Because he still has a debt to society where, where we would like to prove, at least, again, innocent until proven guilty, but the likeliness that he's actually going to appear and prove himself innocent or allow himself to be judged by his peers. Before that happens, can we trust this person to, to actually appear and make these and do as they're supposed to do. And if the case is no, say, you know, again, things like personal character come into play. Do you have a criminal history? That's not gonna help you. Uh, what is, you know, we've heard this probably in all the TV shows and the movies, the ties to the community. Well, what are your ties to the community? Do you have a job? Are you a student? Are you both? Do you have a family that you are of, that your reputation for being taken care of, being with, you know, like how, what is your reputation? How can they decide? But again, this is all before prison, so I don't believe it actually applies. Black people are charged with higher offenses. Now this one, this one caught my attention because another note about how the justice system works, it's not like it's all equally distributed. Oh, I'm just gonna pick that offense and send him to jail for that. No, you actually have to be able to prove anything that you accuse somebody of if you're going to be the prosecutor. 
And in many cases, the higher offenses that this guy was referencing, Mr. Michael, the higher offenses actually have a higher criteria, a higher threshold. They demand more work from the prosecutor to prove that this person actually is guilty because, as Michael referenced before, they have higher consequences. The penalties are more severe. So because it's not what he claims that it is, because the system actually is a little bit more fair and more just than he's proposing right now, we require, before we can actually apply that sentence to this man or this woman or whoever they are, uh, we must make sure that we have a standard, a threshold, a criteria that we know they have met before we can say that they actually qualify for it. So the fact that there are higher offenses might actually work against you and maybe you should leave Leave that part out. Finally, suggests that there are two separate systems. And this one is interesting. It's kind of connected to the last one because, yes, there are people who get to exercise their discretion. But the same thing that I mentioned a moment ago, using my kids as an example, it doesn't, uh, it won't apply to you if you aren't first in trouble. So whether or not somebody is has discretion to apply something like, I'm going to take this person to superior court or I'm going to offer this guy a plea deal, uh, those things do not even apply to you if you are not already in trouble, and I think that's something that's very important to mention. Separate sentences, he says, black and charged with crimes carrying a mandatory minimum, are substantially, substantially, I can talk, I promise, more likely to be incarcerated receiving a, a longer sentence. Okay, so that one I find to be more interesting, but really I think he's attributing motive in a place where he doesn't actually know for sure. We could say it's more likely just based on the numbers. We bring it out, we look at them and say, well, there are more people with a higher number. But what if we looked at them individually? Maybe it's because they have more criminal histories. Maybe it's because they are already more famous for doing more bad things, and they don't have all of the good ties of the community that we always hear about on Law & Order. So that could be the reason why that is true, and it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're black and white. And the last one, well, he's bringing sentence length, he brings the sentence length thinner again, but he says this, I find this very interesting, especially if they find drugs and guns. Well. At that point, I think you've kind of done it to yourself, right? If you found drugs and guns on somebody, then uh, you know there's reasonable amount of suspicion here, okay? Can, can How are we going to prove, depending on what the drugs are, you actually have a prescription for all these things, or are they illegal substances to begin with? Good luck explaining that one away. And what about the gun? Or is, is it being used in an appropriate manner? What kind of a gun is it? Are you old enough to have that gun? Do you have a concealed carry permit? You know, is it your gun? Things like these actually matter. And if somebody is caught you, with a well, especially if you're on the leftist, these are these are destructive weapons of de massive weapons of destruction. They're war machines. Even if it's an AR-15 that shoots one round per squeeze of the of the trigger, um, then why would you not want the gun punishments to be more severe? But I understand we can't. We're not going to try to harmonize any of those discrepancies when we're on the left. But let me get to the the final thing that actually matters here. Again, did you do it? Are you guilty? If you are, then I think. Personally, even if it's true that white people and black people get different sentences, this is the last place that I want to pick up this cause. I am, for sure, uh, totally condemning all forms of racism. You want to know where my positions on racism are? Go check out my other videos. Not going to take the time to do it now. But condemning it everywhere that it is, definitely want to fight against it. But this would definitely be the last place that I'm going to start because... 
if you're guilty and you earned the punishment, for sure, we, if we can't be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the criteria, that you belong there, then I'm not going to be so concerned with how many days difference from another person who also belongs there. What's the disparity between the days? I'm going to take a bigger point. I'm going to say, you know what? I would rather pick up the cause to see what I can do to keep you from ever being there in the first place. Let me quote my sensei from my old martial arts training. He was uh, gave us the best, the number one strategy for all defense, Tai Sabak. Don't be there. You don't want to get in trouble? Then don't do the things that might get you in trouble. Don't go to the places that might get you in trouble. The Bible tells us, hey, you know what? A wise man is going to choose his friends carefully. Uh, so, and But I think today we're kind of living in an age where that's even in and of itself something controversial. We are picking our friends based on people who are going to help us to learn, to mature, to grow to be a better person, to have, be more righteous and more holy and get closer to Jesus? No, today we want the guy who's going to affirm me, make me feel better, tell me I'm all right just the way that I am, and maybe show me the easy way through life or something like that. We aren't encouraging people to pick friends on the right criteria. And despite what he says that it has nothing to do with families, I'm just going to call bunk on that. You didn't give any evidence to prove that it has nothing to do with the family, but fatherlessness is rampant in this age, in this nation. And I'm going to call people out on this one too, white or black or whatever, it doesn't matter to me, but fatherlessness is a serious issue, and it's not like all the fathers are in prison. And you can't just say, oh, because, and it's true, I agree, just because the government is incentivizing fatherlessness with the uh, welfare system organized the way that it is, and I agree, yeah, we should definitely reform that, but it doesn't take away the choice of the individual. The individual is still responsible for the choices that it makes. And parents are supposed to be training up their children in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. Well, how are you going to do that if both parents are split and both parents are busy and maybe both of these parents were raised by parents who were split and busy and they're not actually investing time in their children to teach them the way that they should go? Well, but they're saying that that doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, this is the fight that I think is much more important. Let's actually do this stuff. Let's teach people to choose your friends wisely, to learn what righteousness looks like, for parents to be together in the nuclear family. I don't care what BLM says. They're obviously not pro-family and there's not any evidence on their side to support their arguments that's going to hold a grain of salt. Well, we know for sure that to parents, to children who are raised in a two-family home, the statistics and the data, those are on our side. They're way better off. So let's fight for those things. Let's root for those things. Root for those things, Mr. Michael. Let's bring the family back together so that people can learn to behave, so that the content of their character would be above reproach, avoiding even the appearance of evil, as scripture says. So that way, hey, if so, you just happen to be the guy who's stopped by the racist cop one day, you've got a lifetime of content, of reputation that you can lean on so that that guy gets found out for who he is. So that's proven, yep, you know what? You actually picked up the wrong guy because everybody already knows the truth about that man it has nothing to do with the color of his skin you prejudged him you're the biased racist person that guy's actually awesome so we're going to put him back on the street and you're going to go under investigation that's the kind of stuff that we need to see today not more articles like this out there trying to say you know what we need to adjust the sentencing in the criminal system so that way you know we don't worried about whether or not they're actually reformed citizens before we release them we just need to make sure that it's an equal measurement of time behind the doors is really all we're looking for equality 
plenty of outcomes again, but you know what? It's not even the right outcome that they're looking for because what we should be looking for are people who are good-natured, decent, people who actually understand what righteousness is. And you know what? I'm going to say one other thing about this. How about some more prison ministries while we're at it? And if you know of one, I encourage you to share it and to fund it, support it as best you can. Anyway, if you're still here, you finished this podcast, I appreciate you, and I hope that you will share it with your friends, with your family, and other people who may not be ready for it. And I hope that you will come back and enjoy more content from this channel again. I am Dave, and this is Right All Week, where we talk about what's right, how it's right, and why it matters.